are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. You have to edit it already. Oh my gosh, am I too high? No, you just didn't speak English. (laughs) You're like, all right. (laughs) You'll find out I have a different language. Oh my gosh. I know what you mean. Are we going? Are we on? Oh. 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 Well, welcome, Jacob Scheller. You are our first guest, season one, episode one, here with Jacob Scheller. So, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for it's it's fun. I'm excited to be on here. I think one of my like long term life goals is to get on as many podcasts as possible. So this is like <laughs> so this you're, is it's your number my one. first one. I'm notching that on first the, oh, on man. our first. That so it's an awesome. honor for both of us. Yeah, for really you was. first podcast. Like I listen to people on podcasts and they're like guests of podcasts. They have the easy job. Like come in shine and get out you know and like i could do that really well just like come in smile a little bit and then well you can't see me smile. do you have a goal no like well, i'm like, gonna hit 30 by 30 oh i think 30 by 30 would be undercutting myself because i think Ooh, higher, because podcasts more. are like an in thing you know especially Everyone my generation them. i feel like every like more and more people are going to start doing podcasts so I think it would just be real easy to be like, hey, I'd, All right. I'll do it. Yeah. So, so tell us about your generation. What a, I don't know. Uh, we're under evangelized. We are extremely tech savvy and uh, we like authenticity. Oh, you'll have great podcasts then. Yeah. Jacob, what or who turned on your light? This is a summer story, really. Um, but... I remember my senior year of high school, I was feeling really purposeless. Felt like a lot of my, everyone in my school, like all knew what they wanted to do. Like I'm going to Youngstown State for da da da, like everybody. So I felt like almost left out in a sense because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't, business doesn't sound interesting, but that's what I even, that's what I actually went for. But I remember in that season, I had a lot of really hard conversations with God, I think, I was super frustrated because it was like, hey, all of these people aren't Christians and they know what they want to do with life. I have been following you, like what I would consider following him at that point. And like, where, where's my guidance? Where's my... And I, I just think that honestly, the, the frustration, the complaining for me is actually what I would say in hindsight, it started my prayer life, honestly, was just like learning to communicate And I understand I was complaining, but it was like I was complaining to God. Like I wasn't, I feel like I didn't mince. I wasn't mincing where my heart was at with him, which, you know, in the the one Psalm, it's like, or Jesus like tells the Pharisees, like your mouth praises me, but your heart is far from me. Like I felt like my heart was like for God, but I, but it was also like felt far away from him. And so in that season, I felt like my mouth and my heart started lining up for the first time in my life. And I think just that communication of like frustrated like yelling in the car, praying out of frustration. Like it, eventually it just led into this tr- like trust. Um, I feel like that's so good though, because I feel like that's something that we don't talk about very mm-hmm. often. The whole frustration and yeah. crying out. Yeah. And I was just reading how, you know, in the Psalms, the Psalms is just full mm-hmm. of lament. Yeah. But 
David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. The idea that he was fully himself, frustrated, crying out, mm-hmm. angry at times. Mm-hmm. And I think... But it draws you. I think absolutely. I think we oftentimes kind of... This is down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but oftentimes I feel like it's Christians, we we try to dress it up so much. Like, you know, Paul Paul decides, describes the gospel as foolishness in Corinthians, and it's mm-hmm. like the, the gospel doesn't need to be dressed up. Like, we don't need to put a suit on it because the gospel is what it is. And I think I've sometimes caught myself in life, like, trying to ignore the... You know, you you ignore the fact that the, the Israelites were slaves for 400 years, and we celebrate the fact that... God led them out of Egypt. And that is the most important part. But it's also like God does not promise constant blessing. God never promised like peace for your whole life. Well, I mean, peace through him. But he he did not promise us a life free of trials. And Jesus actually promised us a life of persecution if we're doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that like for me, embracing that frustrating side of Christianity kind of honestly got that ball rolling in the embracing the frustration, embracing the, you know, my complaints, but it was like I did it with God. And I felt like that that pulled me into trust kind of accidentally, like I didn't realize it, you know, but you just keep communicating with God. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I'm way more settled now than I was last month. And then you know, every month it would continue. But so the summer after I graduated, I remember I, I went to mom and I, I was like, I want mentors. I want to get my life like straight. Not that I was a bad kid, but I was like, I want to grow. I'm going into college. And so I remember, you know, Josh Osborne was big in that season. Chris was pretty like Chris was very much involved. Pastor Chuck a little bit. And then um, I mean, Uncle Bruce and my mom and my aunt have always been super influential. So I just felt like I was starting to tuck under the wings of these very big people spiritually. Like I felt like I was, you know, under the correct wings. Um, But then there's the moment, like this is all kind of, there was a moment. It was, it was actually after the, it was the NFL opening day game and the Patriots. This is so specific. Yeah, it was, this is like a moment. I'm surprised how Yes, mm-hmm. this is it's very. This is like engraved, moment. like engraved in my heart. Wow, because like, this okay. is. But it was the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Patriots, and the Patriots were looking good, and like I was like pumped. I thought for sure we were like we look good, and we got killed. I'm a Patriots fan, and we got murdered, and I was so upset. Like I watched the whole game just out of spite, like sitting there, <laughs> like oh this this hurts. But it was just kind of that was it. And I, I went to, like I went up to my room and you know how you get like so frustrated, like you're just so grumpy. It's like, oh, I want to sleep. Like I was kind of that that was I was just laying in bed. I was like, I'm too angry to sleep right now. <laughs> and it was probably I'm not kidding. It was probably one or two in the morning. I, I mean, I want to say this voice in my head, but it's obviously God. I felt a God in my head was just like, you need to go on a run. And I. <laughs> hate running like hate it hate it hate it and so i was like that's not something you no, say yourself. especially not at two you in the morning yeah, yeah like i need to go run right now never that's never <laughs> and so i remember i was like whatever that's fine and so I, I threw my headphones in i had this song i'd been listening to at the time it was it's actually a secular song but it's called uh hands of god um i mean that was just details but and i i did i ran i don't know i just did this little loop that i it was what I would do if I did run. And at the end of it, you know, I was like coming up to the house and I was like, I did not run at two in the morning for no reason. Like, 
in this dialogue with God. Like, I didn't do it. Like, there better be something for me here. Because, nope, 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 nope. And I I got to, I was living with a friend of, like, this was in, I, we had, I'd moved out of our house. I was living with my friend Ed. And we had a port swing in the front. And I still, like, had nothing. And I went up on the porch swing. And I was just upset because it was like, where's my, you told me to run and I ran. And then I turned my music off and I was just like sitting there because I, I was just like catching my breath. And then in my head, it was just like, you need to read Isaiah six. I went upstairs to my bed and I, like, I read the, that first part of the chapter and Isaiah six is when, um, Isaiah's like, I entered the throne room and the Lord's robes like filled the courts. And I said, he, he's like, whoa, am I? a man of unclean lips who lives amongst the men of unclean lips. And, you know, he gets the, the seraphim comes and like puts the coal on his mouth. And then the Lord says in that chapter, he's like, whom shall I send? Who shall go for me? And Isaiah says, here, my Lord, send me. And I read just that first, it's probably the first six verses of scripture. I like completely lost it. I don't get it. I don't really get emotional, but I was like, it was out of nowhere. I did not understand what was happening in the moment because I'd never experienced this, but I was shaking like physically, my body was shaking. I was tearing up. I was like sweating. And that was, this was like 30 minutes after I'd finished running. Like, and uh, the way I would describe it is like the weight of, and it's not even in a bad way, but it was just the weight of the task kind of landed on my shoulders. And I felt like it was a reverence to the, to the scripture that God had just told me to read. It, it wasn't like a fear of it, but it was just like, this is really big. Yeah. You know, and I felt like it kind of hit me all at once. It was two in the morning. So everyone was asleep. I think I tried to call Ben McCown actually, cause he was at uh YWAM in Hawaii and he was the only person awake. Like, so I was like texting yeah. him, like, I don't know what's happening. I was 18, just turned 18. I had never had this kind of experience with God before. And, um, you know, after after that day, I was I mold it. Like, I felt like God was like, hey, I want you to mold this over, sit on this, stew on it. I don't like that word, mold, but. Mole. 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 I, <laughs> I felt like God was like, hey, like, he wasn't like a forced into this, but he was like, I want you to commit to this verse, like yeah. commit to this, here am I, this send me. And I felt like I had, honestly, I felt like I had three weeks, like that was my thing. And I remember I would pray every day. I had like build my life was a big song at that moment. So I would listen to that all the time. I would just like listen to that song and I would just pray and pray and pray and pray. And then there was a moment where I was like, yeah, you can have it. Like it's yours. Take like, here am I, God send me. It's actually tattooed on me. The here my part. That tattoo is probably my most meaningful because it was like, I want that forever inked on my body. It's like a reminder to myself that I said, here am I. So that I think is definitely the moment. Like if I looking through the history of my life, like I would point at that, that night and be like, that is when everything changed. So tell us sure. a little bit about your journey from that point on. It got, uh, it, I've been bouncing around a little bit. After that happened, I have really close friends that live in uh, the Poland area, and we started doing a, like adult ministry on Monday nights. I just remember I tried to get as involved in that season with anything I could. I was at I started going to like Ohio Valley Prayer with the uh, elderly of our church, and I I like I say that I love them. Like they have taught me to pray, they have taught me to be persistent in prayer. I really yeah. owe 
so much. They're a faithful group. Yeah. I like go in that room and it's like, wow, there's a lot of history in this room. Like they probably loved it when you came. I know. Like I'm looking around the room and like, I bring the collective age from like 75 to 70. Like it was (laughs) like, (laughs) like I was like young. You like, I'm look, there's not another person in this room under 70 years old unless I brought my sister. But, but that was really cool. Like, so it was like learning how to like learning intercession, learning kind of like basic, you know, leading, they were all Christian people, but it was just like, and I just kept doing that. And you know, that, like that kind of year went on and I, I just grew a real distaste for business. I, it was, I mean, it was just college, but it was like, this is very cutthroat. This is very business. I feel like is super numbers based, super goals based. And I'm a very people person. And so I'm sitting in business classes and I was like, they're, they're talking about scenarios. And I, I, in my head was like, I would not make the correct decision because I love and trust people too much. And mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, it's just like, oh, that's not at all for me. You know, I hadn't really like started mulling over what saying here am I meant. Like, I don't know. In my head, it was like, I'll be a pastor someday. I don't know. But I think it's interesting, though, that even though you didn't know exactly what it looks like in the future, the commitment that you made at that point led you to... Mm-hmm. The learning, the, you know, you were saying you learned how to intercede, Mm -hmm. you learned how to do this, you found people to mentor you. Yeah. So you created this process for yourself, even Mm -hmm. though not necessarily knowing where you were going, Mm -hmm. you, you learned and took steps Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. And I, I think, um, so business, you know, business school went along and I just was frustrated, discontent. I went to Camp Fitch. Uh, <laughs> there's this moment, I remember, there's another moment, but I was like so distressed about what I was going to do next year because I was really starting to learn who I was. Genuinely, I felt like I was really finding my identity, but I had this big like, what am I supposed to do? I honestly say I felt like really stuck. I worked at the Y and I love the Y and I'm working there this summer, but I just felt really stuck in that job. I felt stuck at YSU. You know, I looked around and I saw everybody from my high school doing exactly what I was doing. And I, I felt I, this is probably immaturity speaking, honestly, but it was like, I was being called by God. I shouldn't be in this. I shouldn't be where everyone else, like... Jacob's a special butterfly. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's what, like, that was my feeling and... I fly at camp. Like I remember taking a, a a chair from outside the shower stall and putting it in the shower and just like leaning against, like sitting in the shower, just like I don't know what I'm gonna do. And that was a that was a low, yeah, that was a dark moment. <laughs> so for all you listeners, welcome to the the deepest levels of Jacob's heart. I don't normally get this intimate, so. <laughs> but I figured like. I got family in Colorado. I'll apply for a job. We'll just see what happens. I ended up getting the job. Uh, my cousin Owen had just started seeing like some real spiritual turnaround and revival in him. So it was kind of like let's let's plug in. Like let's see, you know, a year away. I I honestly think I went out knowing I would be there for a year. Like I think I you know I told you I was probably only going to be there for a year. I told. I did tell my like Colorado uncle and aunt like, oh yeah, I'll be here for a while. But I I knew that was not the nicest to me. But like I knew that it was like it was a season. Like I needed that season. And just following this line uh, in Colorado, I remember you gonna know Alpha Course. You listeners, do you know know. Alpha Course? Uh, (laughs) The Bible teaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like Bible basics, like beginner bread and butter, cornbread and mashed potatoes. 
basic Bible stuff. And we were doing it in the young adults class. And week after week, I would be like, what are we doing? Like, is this your guys' first time in church? Like, that's how I felt. Because it was like, we are all grown. We could be talking about some serious stuff here. And then we got onto the Bible reading one. And Bible reading, I'd always loved stories. Like, I think you can attest to this. Yeah. Bible stories when I was a kid, I knew them all. I knew David, Jonah, Jonathan, loved Joseph. Uh, Daniel, like, knew all of them by heart. Um, you always scored really high on your bar- yeah. Bible competency yeah. tests for school. But I never, I always just knew the stories, but I didn't, I didn't read the the Bible itself. So we, we listened to this Alpha course thing about reading scripture, and it was the Holy Spirit for sure, because I felt so convicted, because I was like, I don't read, I don't read this, and like, I don't know what this word says. And that day, like, I think I read the whole Bible within four months after that. Like, I was like, I need to read this book. That's so good. And it wasn't even like I read the whole Bible, but I probably read the New Testament like three or four times because the Old Testament gets so boring. So I'd be like, all right, we're going to put Jeremiah away and just read like (laughs) John again. Like, But I read it like I I was like, I need to understand because I feel another rabbit hole biblical illiteracy is bad yeah it is no, very bad so it's such like a problem it. i feel like there's the political spirit is allowed to run free because too many christians are biblically illiterate that's my i'm going off that's my it's my tangent but that was a great one yeah read your bible folks. yes yeah, yeah no oh here's goodness. loving jacob i'm telling you it's gonna change your life i'm staring at the <laughs> mic so lovingly yeah, at you. he is he um, is but yeah that was um <laughs> I felt like, you know, I learned to love the scripture and I still like it's something very near to me today. Like whenever people, you know, come to me for like, like, hey, I want to read the Bible as much as like I had a lot of people at school, especially were like, hey, man, you read the Bible a lot. And I was like, hey, you can too. It's just a book. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not just a book, but it, it's like it's a discipline. Just pick it up and read it. You right. Know, read a chapter, read a verse, sit on a verse, you know. But the only book that's alive yeah. So you, you will be transformed. Yeah, you it will get you, you yeah. know, if you if you actually give time to it. So so I think like Colorado, I learned to love the Bible and I also Owen and I started worship night, we started ministry. Just me, him and his girlfriend started doing these Friday night worship nights. I don't even lead worship. I just led the prayer part. And I knew like that was when I knew like, okay, I need to this is it. Like that was when it was like ministry needs to be what I do for the rest of my life. I knew so is that the answer to the next question? What lights, when we're talking about what lights you up is ministry, right? Yeah, you found that there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I get real passionate. I I found this. You know, you asked like what lights me up now. What lights me up like? And I think I've always had a huge heart for the church. I have a huge heart to see the church activated. I feel like in the I feel like in the United States big C church I feel like pastors and pastors and these people that are called to these offices I'm going to get a little deep here but I feel like people called to the offices are doing what they're responsible to do and they're they're like for example like Chris is a teacher and it is his office and his job to teach the church mm-hmm. and I feel like the pastors in the United States are they're not doing a bad job at doing what they're told to do. Mm-hmm. But I think the church has like quieted the apostles and we've quieted prophets and like there's no going <laughs> out of the church. Like Paul says, it's supposed to be founded on the backs of apostles and prophets. Right. You know, I think the congregation will always blame the pastor, but it's not the pastor's job. Like a biblically, like the pastor's there to shepherd, to protect, and to teach. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. You cannot be mad at them for not doing the job of an apostle. It's like, 
you can't get mad at the HR person for not making good money decisions. Like it, it's not how business works. Like, and I don't think church is a business, but there's similar strands. I think I, I'm really passionate about seeing the church like stand up for what God has says we had and go do something with it yeah. to go to go take it out into their respective fields. Yeah. I think I think there's people called to evangelism. I think specifically like outreach evangelism. I think there's called people called to missions. I think there's people called to teach and to lead these things. But I think the entire church has almost like a birthright to demonstrate Jesus everywhere they go, whether right. that's with love, whether that's with, you know, that concept of feeding the sick like or feeding the hungry, being there for the sick, or even just like another big thing about Jesus, like Jesus healed everybody. So I feel like there's this birthright that we have the responsibility, but also the God-given ability to do those things. Like Jesus wouldn't say heal the sick if we couldn't do it. Like if he was who asks for a, a piece of bread? Like what dad gives you a snake if you ask for bread? I, and that's, I believe that deeply is that we have a responsibility to demonstrate Jesus in, in the areas of influence in our life. Like, right. And I think. And that's even Jesus's example. Like mm-hmm. I'm reading through Luke right now and he grabs, you know, all of his disciples and he says, hey, I'm going to split you up in twos. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to pray for you now, mm-hmm. but you're going to go do exactly what you've seen me do. Mm-hmm. That's the example. And I think it's important, too, that you cannot let comparison delude your idea of influence. Like there are people I think of my Aunt Monica, for example, and her influence is to love and nurture the people that go into her house. And she does so good at that. Like she does a great job, you know, with her children, with the children at the church. Like she does a great job of nurturing them. And then I have mom on the other side who goes into the business world and brings Jesus in a very like practical, simple, by example way. Mm-hmm. And so like, this is just my example. But if Monica sees my mom in an area of influence, like being paid, being influential in a bigger position, and she allows comparison to creep in and thinks she's not as important, yeah. like that's going to kill her ministry because she's too busy looking at my mom's ministry. And I think that's the same for all the church. If there's an evangelist converting th- 3,000 souls a year, like, and you got one baptism, like, you cannot compare, like, I'm not doing as much as he did, because Jesus says, like, surely I tell you the entirety of heaven rejoices for the one lost sheep. Like, I think the church needs to not use comparison as an excuse, like, oh, I will never, I just won't ever do as much as them. But I think we need to be aware of using as a comparison as a killing our individual ministry, right. because we That's just so don't good. think we'll yes. be good yeah. enough. I would say right now in my life, I'm. it's weird that God's giving me this drive during this season, especially in the middle of Corona, but I'm starting to get a huge heart to like go out and do the really practical things. Like, like I genuinely like do, I want to start praying for the sick, for people with, you know, I see like I was at the gym and I saw at work, I see this all the time, but like, there's this guy who comes in with a cast on and I like, every time I see him, I'm like, Oh, but I, like, <laughs> you know, but, I, but that's just what I want to do is like, I'm getting this hunger to like, like, I want to just plug in with some organization that already does this and just learn and just do it like serve. Like, I don't need paid. I don't need anything. Just please let me serve and do what Jesus told me to do, you know, because I don't think I have the the wherewithal or the know-how to just kind of do it right now. Just being honest, I'm very scatterbrained when it comes to planning and <laughs> carrying out of things so but i got energy so if you got a plan like (laughs) oh but i mean that's totally it i mean 
your cry was that I'm availing myself to whatever you want to do. And so I feel like if that was your cry, he's been really faithful to Mm -hmm. uh, make you excited about very specific things. There are things that you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and things that you will do. Yeah. But they light you up Mm -hmm. because that's part of the plan that he Mm -hmm. has for the future. And I I think my long-term goal is to see a successful marriage between apostolic evangelism and the modern church, because I think like, I think it's super important to have community, to have the church building, to do corporate worship. I think that is so great and I love it. And I'm at church every Sunday, but I I do think the pendulum has swung to where that's kind of all we're doing in a lot of, in a lot of cases across the United States. It's like, all we're doing is being inside the four walls. And I'm not saying we need to go all outside the four walls, but it's like we do need to find this middle ground at some point. Of yeah. Like- and I think that's, that's part of the reason why I love the Upper Room statement. You know, it's transforming lives that transform communities. Mm-hmm. The idea that people are changed like you were changed. And now your heart is to, to go ch- out. Yeah. To and change. change. Yeah. yeah. So three years. It's been three years-ish. You don't want to know had... what I did in that third year? No. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What happened in the third year? In the third year, <laughs> I after Colorado, I knew I was supposed to do ministry. So I went to a ministry school in Northern California um, and just – it was a really great experience. So I learned a lot. I feel like that I don't have time to And you're going discuss. back for another year. Yep. So, so – so three years after you've felt that call where you're like, God, send me. Tell us tell us practically, what are you doing to let your light shine? Like, tell us some of your stories that you've had recently. Uh, Yeah, I think this is a thing I've been learning. If Jesus describes the body as a house on the hill, then the house on the hill literally just needs to be the house on the hill. I think that Jesus paints that picture because it's up. Like if you look up, you'd see a house on the hill when Jesus says like they're the light, like the lamp, you're the light of the world. Like I need to trust that if Jesus says I'm a house on a hill, I'm a house on a hill. And it's not my job to pick up the foundations of this building and take it down on the bottom of the hill. Because I think as Christians, if you're living rightly, you should be seen as the house on the hill. And so it's not necessarily that everybody's going to come. But it's those people, I think, especially in those moments of brokenness, they look like where else you got to look. You look up like you look to God and on the way back down, you see the house on the hill. And like, that's where you're supposed to go. Um, That's actually one of the big things I learned at school this year, because I felt like in the first two years of this pursuit, like I was striving a lot. I felt like I wanted to just keep doing things. So it'd be like, hey, God, like, do you see me? Are you proud of me? Like, do you love me yet? And I, I was chasing after that a lot. Um, which is against the concepts of grace. And I, I sometimes still have to remind myself of like, hey, even if this is horrible, God that still be loves a, me. a tough one to learn. Yeah. That it's, it was time. hard. Like <laughs> I got whacked in the face by out of nowhere, just was reading Galatians. And I was like, oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Oh, like I. What? Like he loves me? He really no, no. It me? was like I had to. I was aware that like I've been striving okay. for two and a half years okay. to like prove to God that I love him. And it was that like brutal reality. But that that's a led blessing. Me, yeah, that's just the, thing. the realization. It's like that truth like cut me open. And I think any time that the Lord offends you, you have two options and it's humility or pride. And you can choose to be prideful and say that ain't for me. And you can steer away or you can be humble and be healed. 
after that piercing, I was I was just a hum- I was in my bed like in the fetal position, just like wow, that was not good. Like I was going through my old journals, like reading things I've written, and I was like, wow, I'm glad you didn't have a platform to teach. Like bad, bad. The all like I was living with a a rusty, nasty, good intentioned but bad theology, mm-hmm. and so like I came into that realization of like, oh God's grace, like God loves me no matter what. And that really kind of corrected that course a lot for sure. Well, tell us some of your experiences. Oh, experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So light of the light light on the the house on the hill. Yeah. Who's coming to your house on the hill? So the opportunities, this is where I was going. I felt like God, after that revelation, I felt like he told me to only take what comes to me. And so since then, like I felt compelled to not not really ask to do things, not to like, like to take the low road, honestly, like to not. Removes a lot of the striving. Yeah, it really does when God's like, yeah, don't do anything. Like it really takes the. Yeah. And I I felt like that actually even helped me work on being a a better Christian because you, this is not pointed at anybody, but I think a lot of times we as Christians take on these responsibilities we're not meant to carry. And now we have this, a whole bunch of busyness that we're calling our Christian ministry, but God actually didn't give us, he didn't give us any of that. We just take it on. And now it's just like weight we have to carry unnecessarily. And I felt like once that got taken off my back, cause I would like finally put that whole bit of like, you yeah, know, I don't produce, have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. I put that down and I felt my intimacy with God went like skyrocketing. Like I felt like I could hear him better. I felt like I knew the moments when I was supposed to say something like, I was starting to recognize when the Holy Spirit was moving or leading me to do things. Um, about a week after this happened, Kanye dropped his album, Jesus is King. Which I was listening to mm-hmm. on the way here. So good. Souls Anchored. Yeah. Souls. Yeah. I love that. But I remember hearing that. This is such a cool story. I was listening that in the car ride home and I was just like a little shotgun prayer. Like, God, I hope you give me an opportunity to lead someone to the Lord with this album. And not 30 minutes later, one of my best friends from Camp Fitch texted me asking me about the Kanye album. And I was not 30 minutes later. And I was like, he, and then we kind of were just like chit-chatting. And he was like, yeah, my life's been like pretty, pretty rough recently. I've been like going through depression. You know, and I joking, like jokingly was like, you know, if God can turn Kanye's life around, he could do yours too. <laughs> And he he was like, you know what, man? I honestly need that, Jacob. And I was, I'm dead serious. <laughs> oh I was gosh, like, I, I was like, do you know story. I'm in ministry school? Like, I can walk you through this process right now. And he was like, right now, like, <laughs> like we were texting, and he Facetimed me like instantly. And I went out into my backyard and just walked him through what I knew. I was just like, what's going on? Like, that it was so wild phenomenal. for me. Yeah, so crazy for me. And he, it stuck. Like, I'm still like keeping contact with him, but he, some just testimonies about this is he told me he used to suffer with severe depression. And he said, ever since this, he feels like anytime he feels a depressing thought come into his mind, he, he's, this is his words. He says he feels God just swat it. He says he has not gone this long without depressing, like depression ruling him. He, this is super cool too. He used to smoke, like he used to smoke cigarettes and then, you know, the, the devil's lettuce. He told me, (laughs) 
He told me you're allowed to say it on this podcast. Sorry. He told me that (laughs) night, the next day, he said he went on a walk and he was smoking a joint, marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. But he he was smoking and he finished it and he, oh, like, what a moment. But he walked past this church and he was at the end of his blunt. And he looked at the church and he said, this is the last blunt I'll ever smoke. And he threw it like threw it out. And he he says he's like has not touched like marijuana since. All right, another thing with eva- like all you evangelists out there, you cannot evangelize and not disciple like bad. You can't just <laughs> leave people. But I started like the discipleship process with him. The, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. But I was like, all right, like, let's let God say something, you know, probably a month after. We, a month after, I was just telling him like, all right, we're going to sit down. I want you to sit down with God and I want you to write down a list of what God is telling you to do. And last week he texted me, was like, hey, I finished that list. Are we good? Can we do another one soon? And it was just like, oh, it's just so cool. Like to see his growth, to see his, his sticking with it. Oh, it's just been really cool. But then this summer, (laughs) We were, um, I was boating with two of my friends. One of them got like, had, I don't think he was like hammered by any means, but one of them got a little too tipsy. Uh, yeah. Mm. And so I drove him, I drove him to my house and I was like, listen, man, I got to open in the morning. I could be up at four. You can chill on my, like, you can chill downstairs with me. I'm going to fall asleep. And whenever you feel like you're sobered up, just, you can go home whenever. So I drove him to my house and I'm, I'm trying to fall asleep. And then just out of nowhere, he was like, you know, I had a God moment the other day. And like from <laughs> from the grips of sleep, I just was like, ooh, tell me more. Like, <laughs> and I, like, let's talk out of like, this is what I was like, light of the world house on a hill. And he just spilled it. And I was just able to like, mm-hmm. hey, man, let me pray for you. Do you want Jesus? He wanted Jesus, like led him through the, the sinner's. I don't know what the terminology is like. Had him pray a prayer of repentance. Had him pray Jesus into his life in my basement out of nowhere. Like I thought he didn't want anything to do with God genuinely. I, and I was just blown away. Actually, the thing that got me is I started thinking like, what has God been telling people in the quiet of Corona? And I think there's been there's been so much distractions got nixed for probably a solid month there in April and it just in my heart, I'm I'm seeing like, oh, God did something in him in the quiet of nothing, like of the absolute nothing. Yeah, he's preparing. And I think so many seeds so have been good. planted. Like, yeah, I, that's my I, I genuinely think like, don't discard anybody because God has been moving in what we consider this dead period. I feel like God has been very much alive. So and you've got. To be able already mm-hmm. to participate in that. And that's that's like, amazing. And that's my thing is like light, light of the earth, house on a hill. Like when these seeds get ready to be watered, like if your house is not on the hill, people are not going to come to you. Like you have, you know, I, I hear stories of people who've prayed for somebody for seven years before they finally like got it, you know? And I think there's also friends in my life that I've prayed for and I've had dialogue with. And I felt like they were on like the precipice of like, Mm-hmm. They're there and then just like back. And those moments, they're like devastating. Truly. It's like you, you know, you celebrate the victories, but like your heart, when you pray for somebody that much, your heart hurts. Like, cause you're so invested. And I feel like you gain the God's heart for that person. You know, you, I think mom, you talk about this a lot. It's like, you cannot be offended, especially by young people 
when you're denied. Like you, you can't do it because if you stop pursuing them, they're we're apathetic. We don't care. We're not going to like, if you stop pursuing us, it's like, okay, like find someone like I have Twitter, I have Instagram. Let me post a picture and get 250 likes. Like I don't need your approval because I have theirs. Mm -hmm. So that is how I think I've let my light shine. It's just being like, just being me in this season, especially just focusing on what God is putting on my plate and just to keeping developing intimacy with God, I think, has been super important, too. Yeah, so. I, I love how you've been discipling your friends, not just, you know, like, okay, they said the prayer, they're they're done. Mm -hmm. Figure it out on your own. But you're just a few steps ahead of them. I mean, you've been raised in a Christian home, but yeah, um, taking that to a different perspective and and showing them what you mm -hmm. have learned and, yeah. and have taught. I think that that's... That's a good lesson mm -hmm. that we could all learn from Jacob is you don't have to be an expert. Mm -hmm. Just be one step ahead of somebody and bring them along with yeah. you. And I think, too, with the discipleship process is like it's really easy to like lead someone to yourself. Like these are my beliefs. These are my thoughts. And I think that was one thing I tried to be super specific about is like, hey, this is what I think. But I want you to actually talk to God about it. I'm a big believer in that. You know, John the Baptist uh, when he saw Jesus walk past, he told Andrew, his disciple, he was like, there's the Christ. And he, Andrew left. Like to me is more important of like, I don't need, I don't need the disciples, but like, I truly just let me point. That's the Christ. Like go get your information from him. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately like that's all our job is like when you accept God into your heart. Like I think a lot of people forget that the Holy spirit is the exact representation of Jesus. And he's now inside of you. Like sometimes you just got to point people back to the this is not heretical, but the God that is in them. Like, and that's, that's a big thing for me is like, I don't even try to lead people to books. I don't try to lead people to pastors or sermons. It's just like, Hey, I want you to talk to God first. And I haven't been naive. Like I, if they come to me with something whack, it's like, eh, I don't think that's what he said, but <laughs> it's just like working with them. And it, in my heart, it's like, it's more important for them to hear God before they learn how to hear God through someone else's mouth. Like, it was God through me that led him to Christ, but now it's my responsibility to just like keep leading him to Christ because it was God through me and now it's God through him. So it's like you need to be able to hear just as well as I was able to hear if we're going to keep this ship sailing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing your story. And you definitely, your light Thanks, is shining Jacob. bright and it's been fun having you home for the summer and getting to watch you in, in action at church and in your life. Yeah, it's been so friends, fun. So. Yeah, I've been it's a, nice a big fan. It's been, Columbiana. it's been good, yeah. This is, do I say goodbye now? Is this... <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Our pleasure. My first podcast. We'll take a picture. Yeah. All right. Thank you, lovely listeners, for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Appreciate it so much.